0: This is Sports Nightly.
1: Nebraska leads it by 9 63-54 long, three by Wheeler, missed it. Rebound by Cam Mack, he got hit in the draw. He comes back with a loose ball somehow. Here comes Cam Mack, he wisely leaves him off, bird! Highlight field, top ten, here it comes, Unbelievable!
0: Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
2: And we're back for another week of Sports Alley. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you were safe out there. Some nasty weather hit parts of the state throughout the weekend, but... We're so delighted that you're with us tonight. Hope we can entertain you for the next couple of hours. Lots to talk about. A lot of good stuff to talk about as well. We'll start with the Husker basketball team and a terrific weekend for them. A very spirited effort on Friday night. In fact, it knocked our show off the air on Friday at Bloomington, Indiana. Nebraska uh, really pushed the 9-1 and Hoosiers into overtime indiana does prevail but a lot to like from that game and you wonder well was that just a one-off how could this team could they come back in less than 48 hours and be ready for another tough opponent in purdue well they answered that emphatically yesterday pounding the Bulletmakers 90 to 56 and the school's first ever for a male anyway triple double in basketball cam mack with 11 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists as the Huskers get their first conference win. And um, just really impressive, Ben McLaughlin, the way this team played, both in Indiana on Friday and then to back it up with a really solid effort yesterday against Purdue.
3: Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, I mean, I don't think they saw the effort against Indiana coming. I thought Nebraska played real hard um, in that game in Bloomington. I was really proud of the guys for the way that they – they fought. Uh, they were a big underdog in that game. And Indiana was coming off a big win against UConn. Nebraska had a, a mini bombshell dropped on them before the game that Gervais Green was going to be suspended. And so they were without you know anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes a game without a guard. And, and so that slack needed to be picked up by uh, Thor, who played very well, and Charlie Easley, who came in and gave Nebraska some good minutes. And the other stressful part about that was you know any type of foul trouble and Nebraska was in some trouble with uh with some bodies with just eight scholarship players and you know I saw thought the effort was tremendous um against i u and i I even tweeted out you know if this if these guys can play with this type of effort every single night, they're gonna beat some teams that they shouldn't well, in the eyes of Las Vegas, Nebraska was a seventeen point underdog against Purdue who had beaten the uh, defending national champions by 30 earlier in the year uh, I would say that that was a team that not many people expected Nebraska to beat and and to their credit not only did they beat them but they were in in pretty steady control of that basketball game in the second half really from halftime on and and some incredible effort defensively some timely rebounds and some big made shots and some smart plays by Cam Max solidified that win and um you know it's, it's a win you just need to enjoy you, you take this you enjoy it uh, for the team you use it as momentum you use, you learn use it as a learning tool that you know if we show up every single night we can compete in this conference and after a brutal schedule of playing friday night getting home late on friday night and then turning around and having to play sunday afternoon you know use this time to to get the legs back under you and come out with some more um fire the next time you're on the floor
2: i hope people don't uh, I thought the defensive effort yesterday was amazing. There was an obvious plan, and, and it, you have to kind of pick your poison. But I think they, Nebraska felt like we've got to defend the paint as best we can and hope Purdue misses shots. And it worked. Purdue's 6 of 35 on threes, and they're normally a pretty good three-point shooting team, but Wheeler goes one for seven. Stefanovic goes two for eight. But th- the same plan was really in place Friday night with Indiana where they Defended the paint and made Indiana, who's not a very good three-point shooting team, fire threes up. And Indiana bricked a bunch of them. They just go 5 of 25 from three-point range in the game. So, I thought brilliant defensive game plans by Nebraska. And then yet, Nebraska on the other end, Ben, they're starting to make shots. I mean, the ball's starting to go through the hoop for this team. They go 11 of 30. From three point range against Purdue, that's well over thirty percent, which you'll certainly take that. And they were uh, twelve at thirty two against Indiana. So twelve made threes Friday night, eleven made threes yesterday. You do that, you're going to start beating some people.
3: Yeah, we talk about confidence a lot on this show, and, and, and when we're around basketball, just in general, it's amazing what confidence can do for the size of that rim. You know, we've seen it, but work both ways. Where uh, you know you've got great shooters that you know are shooting into a thimble. And then you've got other times where you're throwing into one of those, hula hoop. <laughs> yeah, a hula hoop, and and it's just like you can't miss. And right now, I think these guys are when they're putting the ball up, they're they're seeing it go through the net and, and they're believing it's going to go through the net. When they're taking shots, you know, they're stepping up and they're expecting them to go in. Um, I think that's a it's a huge huge benefit when you have that confidence. And I think any coach would tell you that, you know, Deshaun Burke doesn't make that three to go to overtime if he's not a confident player. I mean, he he knew that thing was going to drop. The coaches drew up a great play for him, and he buried that thing to go to overtime. And the Oscars hit some big threes yesterday against Purdue. So I think, you know, that confidence needs to be there with this team. And we've seen it on on the other end, too. When this team's not confident, they're not shooting the ball well. You know, the first half against Creighton, nobody on that team was, was confident. Nobody was expecting that ball to go in, and it didn't. And, and the, um, and the, and the shooting percentages showed that. So... You know, I think this was a great step in the right direction in a lot of different areas. Defensively, uh, from the foul line this week was was tremendously better. This team was shooting about fifty four percent from the line coming into Big Ten play. They shot great free throws against Indiana. They didn't shoot very many against Purdue, but the ones that they did, they made. And and I think you know the three point shooting, the defensive effort, the rebounding, all that stuff. You know, if you this is a great example. This is this is the game that you turn to and go, guys. If we Take care of this, this, and this. We're going to win games, and and that's exactly what
2: happened. Glad you mentioned Burke. He led Nebraska in scoring in both games. He had 25 Friday night. He had 18 yesterday, and he just made a lot of big shots where you're going man if we don't score in this possession all of a sudden momentum's going to be on the other team's side he'd step up drill a three hit a big shot you mentioned the one that he made at the end of regulation that sent the game friday night into overtime he's playing with a lot of confidence also doing some pretty good things of the defensive end so uh keep everybody and i did it too in the open everybody saw mac and the triple double that's really cool that's neat mac is just an amazing distributor of the basketball he's so quick he's His shot doesn't look the best, but it's been going in the last couple of games for him. That's got to be boosting his confidence to let it rip uh, from the outside. But Burke has really been steady for this team for most of this season. He's been one of their better players and two really good efforts by Deshaun Burke. Uh, and both against Indiana and then in Purdue. So, Husker basketball, in fact, hour number two. The head coach will be in studio. It's our Nebraska men's basketball show for the week. So, get your comments, questions ready for Fred Hoiberg coming up in hour number two of the show. Our other main topic tonight, football recruiting. We are two days away from the early signing period, and holy moly, we had a lot that's happened since Ben and Nate were with you on Thursday night. Let's kind of go and start uh, chronologically. We'll go back to the Omar Manning um, commitment on Friday, Ben. This is a a junior college wide receiver, that big body guy, Nebraska needs, 6'3", 215 out of Kilgore, Texas, committed to Scott Frost and Ryan Hell when they went down to see him late in the week. Uh, We have said for weeks that wide receiver and linebacker are the
3: two biggest positions of need. I know you're a pretty big fan of Omar Manning. It's hard not to be. I think you look at his size, you look at his, you know, his, his highlights, just his presence on the field it's it's what nebraska's been missing on their offense since stanley morgan left and stanley's not even a big guy no. you know stanley just played like a big big wide receiver but you know when you look at nebraska's needs as a whole this you almost need this more than a pass rusher because if you're an offense based team you need weapons you need to be able to run what what you want to run and we've seen what it looks like when nebraska doesn't have those guys out there It it looks like you know Scott Frost is having to drop schoolyard plays and 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 score in the most creative ways possible. It'd be nice to be able to just go and run your offense. I think this guy allows you to do that. Um, You know, just the threat of having a a vertical, big-bodied guy that can go get get a deep ball, um, you know, is is tremendous. And then you and then you see all the the other stuff that comes with him. You hear what his coaches say about him. You hear what his teammates say about him. You know, he had a coach that said. This is the most talented football player he's ever coached, and he is a surefire NFL player. You know, when you hear things like that, even before he commits to Nebraska, you know it makes you want him that much more. Um, you know, I think the the idea that he's a junior college player, you know, probably adds a little urgency to him to when he gets here uh, to, to, to to play right away. And I and you you know that was the pitch to him from from Nebraska coaches is the second you step on campus you might be our number one threat pass catching threat and you know for him to say that he wants to wait until February to commit or or sign his, his LOI and then have one home visit with Scott Frost and then change his mind that he wants to not only sign early but to commit to Nebraska I think it speaks to the job that Nebraska did recruiting this young man but I think if you were to ask a lot of people that that follow recruiting and are and are interested in husker recruiting who their number one guy on their board was um you know up until last week or if there was one player that they'd want to commit it would have been omar manning well manning gets in the house on friday and then yesterday a couple
2: of commitments uh two on the defensive side of the ball Keyshawn green a linebacker out of crawfordville florida four-star linebacker six two two oh eight and then a defensive end from Hutch Juco, Nico Cooper, also committed yesterday, 6'4", 225. And then today, the hits keep coming, as Jamari Butler committed to Nebraska. He's a young guy from Mobile, Alabama, hasn't played much football, just picked it up late in his high school days. It came down, though, to TCU in Nebraska, TCU coached by Gary Patterson, a terrific defensive coach, so he saw something in Jamari Butler that he liked as well. And then also today, it doesn't show up on your commitment list, but Isaac Gifford the young man from Lincoln Southeast, the younger brother of Luke Gifford, he's also committed to Nebraska. He's going to walk on in the spring, but with the promise of a scholarship coming next fall for Nebraska. So with Gifford, this class sits at twenty. Uh, they'll, 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 all the sheets will show you only nineteen because they won't put Gifford on there. But there's that other position in need: outside backers, slash defensive ends, and linebackers. And with Green, Cooper, and Butler all coming in, Ben in the last. 24 hours pretty good pretty good haul for Eric Chenander yeah
3: without question about it I I think you know first the the big surprise of Keyshawn Green committing I I don't know that anybody expected him to commit to Nebraska that early uh you know being that he was gonna come check it out and you know in my opinion I thought he was gonna wait till signing day to make his to make his decision but you look at the offers that that he had you know he's obviously being from Florida all of the Florida dream schools Florida Florida State Miami all offered and the fact that he wanted to come up to Nebraska again I think speaks to the recruiting job that the Huskers did for him he's a guy that's going to be fun to watch for the first couple practices when we go find these guys for the first time this is going to be a guy that sticks out right away 6'3 200 pounds you know ran a clocked Official four four nine forty as a linebacker. Woo. I mean, you want speed and size. That's exactly what you get. And I think that was a the, the you know if you if you were going to rank the the biggest commitments over the weekend, he's probably number two behind Manning. Uh, but then to get a couple more on top of it at the defensive position, you know, I think you're just you're starting to hit the boxes of of the needs. You know, it's amazing what a, what the difference a, a week can make. You know, we're sitting here a week ago on this same show saying how we're concerned and how you know nebraska hasn't got to commit in a long time well we we believe it's a domino effect we've seen that time and time again Uh, this just happens to be a longer string of dominoes and the huskers hope that that they can keep it going there's still probably you know four guys on their board that they feel good about um that that may commit before signing day but You know, this class looks dramatically different now than it did a week ago. No question. Butler, Ben, had previously been committed to Tennessee, had been committed to the
2: Volunteers for a month. Keyshawn Green had been committed to Florida State. They then went through the coaching search after dismissing Willie Taggart. He decides to go look around, very impressed with... Nebraska, in fact, did a sit-down interview with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Evan kind of dug into his life story a little bit. Evan's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes to talk more about Keyshawn Green. So very active, 48 hours, and you can go back to Friday, the huge news of Omar Manning. And it, you're right, Omar Manning, for a one point in time, looked like he may push it back to February. That would have opened the door for a lot more schools to get involved on him. But when Scott Frost, Ryan Held flew down there to meet with him, uh, he must have been blown away by what they were able to talk to him about. And as a Husker fan, you could salivate a little bit, Ben, thinking about looking out on that field and seeing Omar Manning, J.D. Spielman, and Wandale Robinson lined up out there ready to catch passes. Well,
3: you just you need those guys out there, you know, to be an effective offense. You know, like what what made the Rams' offense so great last year? As you looked out there, and you had Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley and uh, you had so many targets for Jared Goff. You know, same thing with the Chiefs. You know, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and, you know, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy. It's just who, who do you – you can't cover all of them. And there are times that, you know, Nebraska's offense was running out there, you know, Mike Williams and, and Cade Warner and, you know, guys that, that are fine. They're, they're decent players, but they're not guys that you game plan around. And so I feel like if – Nebraska can add a few of those, uh, you know. It's going to open things up for guys like Jack Stoll, Deidre, It's you know, it's going to open things. Think about how well you know in year one under Scott Frost, Stanley and JD and Divine played off each other. Mm-hmm. You know, everything. Those guys were all took their turns because you can't cover everybody. And, and this last year, Nebraska didn't have that for a lot of the year. You know, it was wonderful having Wandale his first year. Obviously, J.D. did his thing, but, you know, with Wandale being banged up and quarterback situation being a mess, not knowing who your running back was going to be due to off-the-field issues, it was just it was a hodgepodge of personnel. And I think you know the stability and the reliability are going to be huge for this team, and you can't have that unless you recruit well.
2: So, very good news uh, coming down the stretch, and there's more to come. We're, I'm running out of segment on time in this segment, but there's a couple of more names that there's looks like there's a big Husker lean. A couple young men from the state of Florida, and in particular the city of Miami, that may be coming to Nebraska come signing day on the 18th as well. We'll cover that a little bit later on in the program. One guy who's been tracking all this for the last couple of weeks joins us now, Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. You can read him online as well at omaha.com. How big a fan of the recruiting game are you, Evan, or is it just part of the gig? Ha.
4: <laughs> you know, I, I actually enjoy it a decent amount. I think it, it doesn't get old talking with kids who are pursuing their dreams, You know, whether they end up at Nebraska. or, or I mean, most of the time these kids have pretty compelling stories sacrificed a lot they come from all sorts of different backgrounds and places all over the country and you know to see them getting on the you know on the cusp of achieving something really neat um, or, or after the fact once they do that um, it's a pretty cool thing it just it doesn't get a lot it doesn't get old and I think it's a lot of fun you know making contact with a lot of those guys and, and putting out their story so fans can you know, start to relate to those guys a little bit too as they begin their career. So I, I think it's kind of fun. There's a lot of legwork that goes into it, but uh, it's pretty rewarding, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. There is Everybody has a story to tell, and for some of these, it's, it's a hard story in a lot of ways. And, and in fact, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on tonight is you had a nice piece that you had up over the weekend on Keyshawn Green, who committed yesterday, the young man from the state of Florida. Tell our audience a little bit about what you learned about Keyshawn.
4: Right. I mean, he, he is a very interesting story, Um, you know, committed to Florida state for 20 months, ultimately uh, decommitted when they uh, made a coaching change in November. And, uh, you know, Nebraska ended up kind of being in the right place at the right time. And and you have to credit the staff for continuing a dialogue with him over the course of that commitment, since they were UCF, they'd been in contact with him. So he knew them well. Uh, And then, for Nebraska to be able to convince him to come up uh, for the official visit this last weekend when Florida State and their new staff was pushing him hard to come down there and to try to bring him back. You know, Nebraska ultimately gets the visit and then the commitment out of that. uh, And, you know, obviously, as as most of your listeners know, that he's playing a position of pretty great need at outside linebacker. He's one of the fastest athletes in the state of Florida. Uh, had great numbers as a as a prep senior down there uh, in the Florida panhandle. So this is just the kind of guy, uh, he says that the coaches maybe see him playing on the inside to start, but kind of has that ability to play inside, outside, can get after the passer, uh, isn't afraid to hit, move around quickly. Um, and that's, it's a, obviously a big ad for Nebraska and a tough poll, considering that Miami and again, Florida state, which is right, you know, 30 miles from his home, we're both coming after him hard. So, you know, I think that's cool with him specifically. And then I think the other thing that that I think of with his story is just how prepared this staff is and how how they do their due diligence. Because again, it's really easy to just kind of give up and, and not continue to effort that relationship when a guy's been committed to another school that long. But you know, they they continue to reach out every now and again. Maybe throw out a text or or send him an edit or say that you know, good luck at a game this Friday and that sort of stuff sticks with these guys and so when opportunity arises and and he becomes a free agent of sorts you know Nebraska was right there so you know kudos to Nebraska for being in the right and uh you know Keyshawn Green for coming in and getting a chance to make an early impact
2: who was the lead recruiter on him Evan do you know
4: well he committed to uh Cody Frost and Travis Fisher so so Fisher is part of that territory down there um I know Coach Dewitt was down there a little bit too, obviously as his position guy. But yeah, that's that's Fisher's territory, man, and and they've really been pounding the pavement on that. And it's I think that's going to be one of the storylines of this class is the talent that they're going to be able to pull out of the state of Florida. I mean, you consider the fact that they had no scholarship players from that state in the last cycle, and you know they said at the time that it was a fluke, and it looks like it's going to turn out to be that way because this staff has really utilized their ties down there, whether that's Coach Fisher, Coach Becton, Scott Frost, whoever it might be. And and I can tell you from talking with a lot of high school coaches from that state that what Coach Frost and that staff did at UCF continues to resonate down there. I mean, much of the the offense that that Frost ran has been uh, adopted by some of the other Teams in that area, some of the, even just some of the warm-up things they do, like the coaches going through that handshake line. A lot of teams copied that and, and have said that they drew that from what they saw UCF doing two years ago. So, a lot of uh, you know influence is still uh, being kind of wielded down there by that staff, and I think you know getting Keyshawn Green is a prime example of that.
2: Busy with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Again, you can read his work online at Omaha.com. What can you tell us about the, the most recent one? And that's Jamari Butler, the young man from Mobile, Alabama.
4: Right. I mean, Butler is another really interesting story. Just spoke with him this afternoon. And, and you know, he was a kid who played football through middle school. And then, uh, you know, he went from, he said, about 5'10 to 6'2 his freshman year of high school and said well i'm I'm too big to be a football player so i'm gonna go out for basketball and so he spent the next three years doing that didn't really give football a ton of thought and then his high school down there in alabama uh, hired a new coach and he came in and said wow this guy had a great first step where he covers a lot of ground he has a a six foot five frame that looks like it has plenty of filling out yet to come let me get this guy out to the football team and so he did he was a, a monster uh chasing down quarterbacks, had 18-plus sacks as a senior. Uh, he came into the year with no offers, ended up with double digits, and uh, is just one of those kind of raw but talented prospects that's really hard to say no to. I mean, when when Tennessee and TCU and Kansas are all after you and, and you haven't played football in three years, you know, it says something about just that raw athletic ability. And, um, you know, has some catching up to do in terms of technique, in terms of you know, just football experience, because again, he hasn't done it in the last few years. But you know, he's he was confident on that trip that uh, Nebraska can coach him up, that they can develop him physically, and a man with this haul and this this kind of cache of talent that is coming in at that linebacker position it really affords him the chance to you know develop over the next couple of years and become a real playmaker uh, in the event that he doesn't kind of jump in right away and make an immediate impact. So uh, somebody who who uh, you know came down to Nebraska and TCU and. Uh, he was so thrilled about the, the Nebraska thought that he actually committed while wow, he was on his official visit to TCU, which is a little bit unusual, but <laughs> someone who's really excited to be here and uh, you know, should be interesting to follow in the next few years. Wow.
2: Well, I know another guy that was on campus this weekend, Evan, was the Idaho defensive lineman Tanaya Togaya. I don't know if I got that close or not, but um, is he <laughs> still a possibility to sign with Nebraska?
4: I mean he is, yeah. Uh Tenoah Togiagi, I've been Togi- working I- on that in the mirror here this weekend. No, um yeah, he, he's a really interesting story too. Uh out of Idaho, kinda lightly recruited. Uh he's been a, a pretty dominant force for uh rugby up there in, in southeast Idaho. They just won a state title and uh, he's he was a big part of that as a nose tackle. Um he he's a kid who just kinda likes to play it under the radar. I mean he he has never had a, a phone, cell phone of his own. And uh you know, when Nebraska reached out through social media, it's kind of slow going because he's not a guy who's checking that very often or getting to it very often, but uh, you know, it worked out. They eventually connected. He's here, or he was here this weekend, and um, you know, kind of like you hear with a lot of recruits, he, he, he felt like he had the impression that Nebraska was going to be one giant stadium surrounded by cornfields, and you know, lo and behold, that's not the case. Uh, he loves Lincoln. He kind of likes the big city, yet small-town vibe that Uh, it offered and uh, you know he's going to take his recruitment into February he's still looking at Utah and maybe Kansas State where his dad played but uh, you know the twist on his particular recruitment is that he uh, will he's planning to serve a two-year mission as part of his Mormon faith down the road and it's a little bit unusual because oftentimes those kids do that right out of high school and then they go but he's actually planning to wherever he signs sign with a school probably redshirt that first year And then go do a two year mission before returning to that school. So he'll be, you know, it'll probably be 2023 before he actually jumps in as a meaningful contributor wherever he is. But, uh, you know, he'll be one of the older redshirt freshmen uh, on whatever team he'll be part of at that time. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he's someone else who uh, could eventually be a mainstay on a defensive line for somebody. Wow. Interesting story.
2: Evan, we appreciate it. It's going to be a busy 48 hours, I think. I don't know that this thing's over yet. I think there's still some names out there, don't you, that, that could pop up on the on the list when it's passed out on Wednesday.
4: No doubt about it, man. We're, we're at, uh, what, 19 right now, and you got to think that maybe three or four are still in the hopper at, uh, in some regard. Caden Johnson's obviously the, the high-profile one, and, and he told me tonight he's going to be committing on Wednesday somewhere. He'll make that announcement on Wednesday, day. and uh, you know Miles Flesher, safety out of Oklahoma, is somebody else to watch, and then a couple uh, you know recruits from Florida too, Marcus Fleming, receiver, one of the fastest players uh, in that state, and Jaden Francois, safety. So uh, you know, should be kind of a fun finish here, and it's been a pretty remarkable stretch for Nebraska. You know, one one commit at the end of uh, March, and now here they are looking to finish strong. So it should be fun, no doubt.
2: Evan, we appreciate. it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for having me. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball
0: Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
1: Back, looking, 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 lobs it up in the midcourt, right side to Deshaun Burke. Deshaun drives it with a left-hand step back, three on the way. Got it! And then one! He fouled the three-point field goal shooter. That was Deshaun Burke nailing that baby. And we've got a one-point ball game with 36.9 seconds left to go. Holy Christmas.
0: An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball.
1: This is the same Purdue team that beat fifth-ranked Virginia by 29. My friends, Burke with a 25-footer. Got it! Bang! Arang! Deshaun Burke! 63 to 52, Nebraska. With the head coach,
0: Fred Hoiberg.
1: Nebraska leads it by nine, 63, 54, long three by Wheeler, missed it. Rebound by Cam Mack, he got hit in the draw. He comes to that with a loose ball somehow. Here comes Cam Mack. He wisely leaves it off, Highlight field, top ten, here it comes! Unbelievable!
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford Dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp.
2: Thank you. Welcome to the program. Here are the numbers you want to be a part of this one tonight. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nebraska coming off of a thrilling victory yesterday over Purdue, 70-56. And a really good performance by your guys on Friday night in Bloomington. That was a good couple games for you.
5: Yeah, I, I was really proud of the effort coming out against Indiana. I thought the energy was uh, where it needed to be. We got to a little bit of a poor start. Uh, called the timeout, made a nice run to get back into it, and uh, you know a little bit similar, I guess, to the Creighton game. Unfortunately, we never crawled back into that one. Right. You know, Indiana, we went on that nice run and took a lead. I think went down one uh, at the break, and then went out and fought them all the way to the end. And you know, just a big, strong, physical team. The big thing that they do uh, with their size is they really pound the ball inside, and, and they get to the free throw line. They lead the nation uh, in free throw. Made and free throws attempted, so uh, you know we knew we were going in there, um, you know, with a, a, a clear disadvantage from a size standpoint. But I really did think that we battled them, and you know, you find a way to dig out a couple of those rebounds. I thought we had a really good defensive game plan to try to make them beat us from the outside. Uh, we kind of switched up some different zone to man, man to zone uh, type defenses, and uh, they just you know a couple possessions got the ball to the free throw line, and went in a shot right over top of us. But um, you know, it's really pleased with that effort and, and really the guys after the game and talked about if we go out and play with that type of energy and that type of trust I thought the ball movement was the best it's been all season and you know if we continue to do those types of things uh, we're gonna have a chance to be in a lot of games and win a lot of games and that's exactly what happened uh on the game yesterday against purdue a very good team very similar game plan that was the one benefit we had a very short prep um you know only a one day prep uh going into it against a team that runs maybe more actions and quick hitters than any team in our league and uh i thought we went out there just completely locked in i challenged our guys i said let's make purdue call the first time out and we accomplished that but you know as far as the game plan very similar because of their size uh they start six ten seven three uh their front line <clears throat> first possession you know, we messed up the defensive assignment. Uh, we did not get in on the backside. They threw right over top of Thor uh, with a 7-3 player. But after that, we really packed the paint and did a good job on them. Uh, you know, Defensively, they're the fifth uh, best defense in the country. Uh, again, the ball movement, uh, different actions. I thought we were able to do some things with some of our uh, bigs. Thor got a couple open looks uh, early. Uh, Kevin uh, got those late. And then Cam Mack was terrific uh, You know, just to go out there and do all the things that he did, triple-double, hitting big shots. Uh, Burke was great again. Um, it was good to see Charlie Easley come in and, and make a big impact on the game. Um, I really did think you know we don 't have a lot of games where everybody goes in there and makes a positive impact. I thought yesterday uh, everybody that stepped on that floor uh, really contributed to that win. Can you even put it into terms of how
2: much better your ball movement and your spacing is now from? even two weeks ago.
5: Yeah, you know, the guys are really starting to trust each other. I think that's a big part of it. They're going out there. They're playing together. Um, They're moving the ball to the extra man, uh, to the next man when when he's open. Uh, The thing that I've really noticed is, you know, there's a lot less holding of the ball. It's moving side to side. You know, we don't want to back up, retreat, and then go back into the move. We want to go into a dribble handoff, maybe into a side ball screen and just keep the movement, uh, movement side to side to shift the defense. And we're much more effective and efficient when we do that. Five assists in the last two games for Kevin Cross. Yeah, so He five, must have pretty good vision. Yeah, that's what we really liked about Kevin in the recruiting process was his ability to play make at that position. And he's playing out of position. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. He's a 6'6 six, six player that uh, is playing the five spot in a league that's as big as any um, in the country. And, you know, Ivan, you got a 17-year-old out there starting for us, and then you're backing him up with an 18-year-old. And both those guys have had really good moments for us this season. I thought Ivan, uh, going back and watching that game today, uh, really had – a great motor, and you know he made a couple kickouts. He still tried to finish over top. Those are plays he needs to make. Uh, we're going to watch uh, film again tomorrow, just he and I, and continue to try to grow and, and continue to try to make strides. Uh, and then Kevin, you know, after not playing a lot of minutes against Indiana, uh, went out there and played. Uh, you know, the majority of the second half and uh, paid off. He made a huge shot at the end of the shot clock when he got stuck a little bit and made a little bank shot over there in the right wing uh, and just uh, got you know rebounded the ball as well. The thing that I like most about yesterday. Uh, Greg, when you look at that stat sheet, we made 26 baskets, and we had 22 assists on those 26 baskets. That's a great uh, uh, percentage of assisted uh, baskets, and that just shows the trust that our guys are starting to develop. You mentioned film
2: session. A lot of guys, and and you even mentioned it, you you had a pretty serious one about a week ago today
5: after the Creighton game. That seemed to flush some things out for this group. Well, we had a very serious film session, and you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, were said in there. We, we, you know, I just felt that it was it was necessary to go in there and see all the mistakes uh, that we made, and you know, it started with not getting back in transition well enough against a team that that's what they looked to do. Uh, you know, the other thing was shot selection and, and lack of movement, especially early in that game. That's where we dug ourselves that huge hole. Got them uh, going with confidence, and uh, you know, again, we just never really got anything going. We could never really threaten. Them. Um, uh, Second half, I thought offensively we were terrific. We scored 54 points uh, on the second half of that Creighton game, showed what that ball movement can do, and we showed some of those as well. We did show some positive clips. uh, But overall, um, yeah, I felt we had to get some some things out. Uh, You know, really uh, had a good, honest uh, film session, and I thought that helped us moving forward. I've been playing basketball at this school a long time, but I've never had a guy with a triple-double
2: until yesterday.
5: That's pretty impressive. Uh, well, I, was, I was surprised to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, even going back, guys I played against Ron Boone, you know, was one that had great length and vision and could score the basketball. Eric Strickland, uh, another one of those guys. Uh, Piaskowski could have gotten rebounds and points, but he never passed. He so. didn't throw the ball. yeah, he didn't <laughs> throw the ball. Either, yeah, you have to pass to get the triple double. But <laughs> uh, and then um, you know the guys like Tyron Lue and you know in that. So you know, there's a lot of players that have come through here that've been you know excellent obviously basketball players and you know for cam uh to go out there and, and do what he did yesterday uh i, I challenge our guards i you know I, you get out rebounded 54 to 31 against india uh indiana you find a way to get five of those you might have a different result at the end of the game and i challenged our guards dashon and um uh, cam specifically i told him i needed uh I needed 14 out of them. And they go out and they get 17. Cam gets 10. And, and Burke uh, got seven. And those are huge. And they went in over the top. They weren't leaking out. Uh, and, you know, to be able to only get out rebound, I think, by three, maybe three or four, uh, against a much bigger team, uh, that's certainly a step in the right direction.
2: Purdue coach Matt Painter said Cam was the best player on the floor.
5: Yeah. You know, and I suppose when you have a triple-double, that, that generally is the case. And, you know, Cam just, I thought he really played under control the last two games. And, you know, Indiana, I thought he was really spraying the ball around. Uh, you know, guys were uh, uh, finding the open spots. Thor was terrific in that game. Um, Burke had a, had a, a, another good game as well. Hanif uh, was excellent. So, you know, it was just uh, one of those games where, you know, when you get the ball in Cam's hands, you feel pretty good about it.
2: How's the communication been on the bench for you? you you've been with Doc for a year. Armand, you did not know at all a year ago at this time. Matt, you have known. How about the communication up and down the line during games? Yeah,
5: it's, it's, it's really good. I, you know, I love our staff chemistry. I think we, you know, it's very important. Yeah, you have, If you don't have staff chemistry, you can't expect to have team chemistry with your players. So, uh, you know, I am comfortable with all these guys. Uh, you know, Armand Gates has been terrific uh, for us, uh, you know, giving some continuity. Um, you know, knowing what this league uh, is all about after being in Northwestern and then, uh, you know, second year here now at Nebraska. So, it, it, it's a big part of it and I know all those other guys very well Bobby Lutz was my first hire uh, at Iowa State a very important hire with no coaching experience to have a guy uh, that had done it as long as him at uh, uh, at the division one level and had a lot of success and a very similar philosophy as far as playing fast Uh, you know being with Matt you know I hired Matt you know I've talked about this as an intern when I was working for the Timberwolves and uh, Matt is such a good guy at building relationships and you know building a trust level and making guys comfortable uh you know he's uh, he, he's he's as good as I've seen in that area and then doc uh you know another guy that I've worked with and you know a guy that's been here and knows what this place is all about so you know to have that and then Luca Virgilio and and uh you know Buzzy Carruthers and you know the guys uh the GAs uh, John Harris Vince Fritz we, we've got Matt Holt in the film room is terrific as good as I've ever seen uh, especially for a young person like him. And we've got guys at work, and, and that's what it takes if you're going to be successful. Do you carve out specific things for them to track during games? I do, yeah. We, we track uh, a lot of different things uh, over the course of the game. Doc really likes to see how we're doing as far as keeping the ball out of the paint, uh, which, again, the two last two games we've done a pretty solid job of. Um, you know the the sometimes the length and the you know the bodies there just there's not a lot you do about that with the, especially with the size and the height. Uh, you know I like to see how many times we're getting the ball in the paint, how many times we're reversing the ball. Um, you know those and uh, where we're getting our shots from. You know those things if we're doing the right thing uh you know generally you have success and you know that's what uh, that's what some of the guys different roles different you know matt hold i talk to him if i see a clip and i want to show at halftime uh, to our team as far as either making an adjustment or something we're doing well or something we're not doing well uh so that we can learn from it
2: how much has that expanded the technology part of tracking things like that from even the days that you played which wasn't that far ago long ago uh.
5: It was long ago, but you might
2: have had a shot chart to look at <laughs> at halftime. Well,
5: yeah, when I, when when I was playing, you know, Johnny Orr would go in the locker room at halftime, and it'd be a, the real chalkboard. And, you know, that, that's what it was back then. Now you got the dry erase boards. And, you know, I don't know how many college teams watch film at halftime, but that's something that, uh, you know, every team in the NBA does. So uh, we've got that technology, and I'm able to talk to Matt. If I want to pull a clip, I just point at him, and he pulls the time, and he goes in there, and he pulls it together for the edit when we go in and make our adjustments.
2: The days of the Gene Hackman with a little black book are over. <laughs> Unfortunately,
5: they are. Those are the good
2: old days. <laughs> Those days are, are done and somebody passing you a shot chart. So well, here's where our shots came from in the first half. Um, your team has certainly had some some personnel things that have gone on. How do you handle that? And how about the guys that are still going to battle
5: for you? They maybe are
2: tightening their bond a little bit
5: more. Well, you have to when, when you have something like that happen. When somebody has uh, you a know, big role... Um, And, you know, you just try to fill it as well as you can. probably won't be one person, but everybody's got to pick it up a little bit and and do their job. And and that's what's happened the last two games. We've just come out with unbelievable energy and trust. And, uh, you know, the guys have gone out there and shared the basketball. Uh, It's really been fun to watch. I've been really proud of the guys for how uh, they've come together. And, you know, we're going to keep building and keep keep trying to grow and, and hopefully continue to get better. You talked a little bit earlier about Ivan. I was so impressed with the way he battled and
2: fought those bigger front lines that you faced both Friday and obviously yesterday with those huge guys from Purdue.
5: Yeah, and, and Kevin, too. You know, Kevin yeah. Cross, uh, you know, he's six six, and to go out and battle a kid that's three. Well, seven 7'3", but, uh, you know, the Williams kid that's got four inches on him and, you know, about 40, 40 50 pounds. And, you know, you got to go out there and make early contact, uh, early contact. He had a great steal by uh, going around on the baseline side to uh, get a fast break going for us where we needed a big bucket and you know those guys are out there battling you know not only cam you look at some of the different things that have happened early in the season get the first triple double in school history but ivan being the youngest player uh, ever in a nebraska uniform to get double digit rebounds and that's pretty impressive you know we talk a lot about ivan with he doesn't look like he's 17 years old because of his body and he's pretty mature in that area Uh, but you know i mean he really technically should still be in high school so you know to go out there and start uh, for a big 10 team you know it's pretty impressive what he's what he's doing so far
2: played such good defense yesterday, and you did it without fouling.
5: I think your first foul in the second half was with like a minute 30 to go in the game. That was huge. We were able to use a couple fouls to stop some fast breaks, and you know we were able to foul a guy underneath the basket before he could get the shot up. And you know it's, it's, it's something we talk a lot about is going out and defending without fouling and not giving the other team free points. Indiana, they shot a ton of them, but again, that's what they do. They lead right. the nation in that category. Uh, so to hold Purdue, I think, to three free throws in uh, 40 minutes was a big part of that win. The head coach in studio for a few more minutes eight six six It
2: one eight six six four eight seven five three seven one. It is finals week on campus. How different is this week then for routines and all that?
5: Well, we'll have different times uh, based on our guys' schedules, and we're actually going to get out and recruit a little bit this week as well. So um, one day we'll get back a little later and have a, a later uh, practice. So you know it's a Big week, obviously. I mean, guys have to finish strong and, and hopefully do do their job and uh, do what they're supposed to do. So we don't have anything, um, you know, lingering moving forward.
2: Then you will play on Saturday. Uh, North Dakota is your next opponent up. You have two more non-conference games to squeeze in here. This is the first time you've probably been exposed to playing conference games kind of like right now. It's
5: it's different, isn't it? Very different, yeah. I never played a conference game before the new year. And, you know, to go out there and play two, it's, you know, especially the way that ours was scheduled, to have to go out there and play on a Friday night and a late-night game and then bounce back and play a Sunday afternoon game uh, as your next one, that's tough. And it's hard on the guys, especially the ones that are playing as many minutes right now just based on uh, the situation with our roster. So we had four Players in that overtime game played forty plus minutes, and then Ivan uh, played thirty-two. So you know those five guys played a ton of minutes. So you know that was the importance of those other guys bouncing back and giving us a big lift with Charlie and with uh, uh, with Kevin uh, and those kind of guys. You know that went out there, and and Mate played a little bit more uh, in that game uh, yesterday as well. So um, you know it's tough, though. We had a really uh, it was a mental day getting back at, you know, I, I got walked to my door about one thirty, and probably didn't fall asleep till four. And I know our guys, you know, probably had similar type uh, things happen. So I have to go in there and have a mental preparation day, watch film, walk through, put in the game plan. And then we had another one the next morning. We actually got them going a little bit and got them a little sweat since we didn't do much uh, on Saturday. And I'm telling you, our guys were so locked in. Uh, I knew we were going to come out and play, play a, a good game just based on our preparation and in the uh, energy that we had uh, in our walkthrough on Sunday morning and then that carries over uh, and we went out and played probably our most complete game of the year.
2: You would probably not be a fan then of the Pac-12 the way they do the travel partners and play Thursday, Saturday. Oh
5: I wouldn't mind it, as long as it, everybody's doing that. I mean yeah you know, you're playing the same you know when one team has eight days off and the other one has one that, that you know that's what makes it a little bit difficult but you know it is what it is everybody plays 20 league games you know it's that's what it is you, you played. 10 home and 10 road, and, um, you know, you just you play the schedule that's given to you. And, again, I'm proud of our guys for going out in a tough situation and, and making the most of it uh, and having great concentration uh, when we put in the game plan and going out and executing it.
2: You mentioned Mate; he's just having a hard time getting some consistency with that jump shot. What are you seeing from him?
5: Yeah, it's you know I think he's pressing a little bit. Just uh, you know, he's he's a great shooter. He's you know forty five percent career three point shooter. He's going to get it going, and you know the law of averages they have a way of uh, evening themselves out. And you know he's going to go out there and have a game where he makes five. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that'll get him going and get him some confidence. But, you know, he's, he's, he's looking for him. We're telling him to hunt his shots. And, you know, sometimes uh, when you're out there in that type of uh, situation, you force him a little bit. And I thought he forced a couple yesterday, but he had a couple great looks. And he still got confidence. He came over and said, Coach, give me that same look. I'll knock it down uh, the next time. Uh, I thought he had a couple really good takes to the basket. He had a great cut. Uh, to get a layup, and he had a good left-hand drive where he finished uh, in the paint when we needed a basket. So, you know, he's you know, a guy that I'm confident will get it going. Um, we just need to keep trying to get him get him looks.
2: I think people around the league are going to start seeing what you've seen for the last six months, and that's that
5: Thor can be a pretty effective player in this league. Thor's, Thor's been terrific you know you, you got to give Thor a lot of credit for um, you know coming in and, and you know being the only guy that played on this roster uh, last year uh, you know' he's, he's really tried to do a good job with the guys as far as talking to him about the, what this league is all about and you know he's always going to be in the right spot he's got a great understanding of the game I can I could sense that uh, even when we did our little two on two three on three workouts in the spring and then um, you know that that's what this offense is all about it's reading reacting you know guys like Thor will get baskets because of his ability to cut. Uh, You know, if the the defender gets even with him, he's going to try and and get to the basket and take a lane uh, to get in close uh, to the rim. And then Cam's doing a good job finding him. I think those two have really developed a good chemistry. Uh, You know, you look at other guys in the roster, Delano Banton, maybe as much as anybody, he gets four or five layups a day in practice just by making the right read and the right cut. So uh, that's what it's about. The more high IQ players that we have, uh, you know, the better the system's going to look.
2: The top 10 games that we broadcast here on the Husker Sports Network throughout the calendar year. And tonight we start that with number 10. The sports nightly top 10 moments of the year.
6: Left
1: side for the match, Maddie Kubik. She got him. They did it! Nebraska beats Penn State It's Measuring five. Measuring it, waiting for it. He gloves it, and the Huskers
2: have beaten number three, Texas Tech, here in Frisco, Texas tonight. Ten, nine, eight. Sam Hybe goes away. Good! Sam Hybe gives Nebraska a
1: four-point lead.
2: Nebraska has become the fifth program in the history of college football to win 900
6: all-time games.
1: Holy cow, the Magnificent Seven comes through in Chicago.
6: Number ten. Burke's got to get it in or the match is over. Pass by Megan. The slide. Lauren for the match. She did it. Call the ground, kids. Make your plans for Madison. Nebraska takes the second round and heads to the Sweet 16. A four-set tough win. Hard-fought victory over the Missouri Tigers. And they're loving it in Lincoln
2: and our number 10 is our most recent one, and that was the Huskers' second-round victory over the Missouri Tigers a couple of weeks ago at the Devaney Center. John Bader joins us now, and he was on the call for this one. I, you were nervous about that first, those first two rounds, weren't you? You, you? you were concerned
6: about Ball State and Missouri. Rightfully so. Ball State was pesky, uh, although the Huskers dominated them, Greg, and then Missouri absolutely loaded and uh, they're all going to be back next year except for a fifth-year libero. Uh, They they are going to be the SEC favorite going in next year, but that was a tough match, and Nebraska dropped the first set, and then Nebraska goes up 24-20 in the third, and suddenly finds itself behind 25-24 in one of the – Great sets, I think, in Husker volleyball history.
2: Ends 32-30. Nebraska wins that third set, but take me back to the end of the first set. Your fears were were being warranted, right? I mean, Missouri comes <laughs> out, put took it to Nebraska in that first set, winning
6: 25-20. Yeah, it was pretty close until midway through, and then they've just got they had elite outside hitters. They have a great setter. We've got a very simple system. Nebraska has faced a lot of teams this year, which have a lot of moving parts they like have you know a bunch of players on the move to their right to their left you know running what are called quicks and slides simultaneously two setters and and Missouri just does what Nebraska does very simple very predictable and uh, they don't try to go too fast and it's it just works cuz they just get in a rhythm single setter and they're powerful and they had those two transfers from Illinois and That is a very scary team, and that was an example of a match which Nebraska could have easily lost, seasoned on the line, and they just found a way. And I told people earlier this week, no matter what happens in Madison, just remember Missouri. Remember set three in Missouri when most programs would have let go. Terry Petty used to use that phrase all the time. They let go. Huskers were primed to let go, and they didn't. They stayed in, and they fought, and they found a way. Just remarkable, Greg, Down. 25-24, 25-24, and then there were two subsequent set point chances for Missouri, and the Huskers on their eighth set point chance in the third finally convert, and then Missouri was done. And that just that's that was like tradition, that was expectation, that was conditioning. That all combined together to to will Nebraska that crowd, to will Nebraska to that win. It was a special night.
2: I was going to ask you about the crowd on that third set. Was it tense? Was there a confidence feeling? What kind of air did you sense around you?
6: Uh, (laughs) Concerned. No, they were roaring, but they were also very concerned because they realized the stakes. So much was on the line that whichever team won that third set probably was going to win the match. And the idea that this Husker team would – not get to a regional It was just so crushing to contemplate. You didn't want to do it, and so you know, Husker fans, we, we soldier on. We, we're optimistic. We think about the best, but we can't help but imagine, you know, the unthinkable. And that that would have been the case if the Huskers weren't able to get to the Madison uh, regional, and and they were able to get there. And uh, it, it's just so impressive. But this, it, it it could not have been more dire than it was there in that third set.
2: Huskers go on and win it in four again. This is our game number 10 of the year, the Huskers' second-round victory over the Missouri Tigers. John Bader with us. He had the call of that along with Lauren Cook-West. Jazz Sweet, I want to ask you about her play in postseason, John. She had 17 kills to lead Nebraska in that match. She came up pretty big, didn't she, in that one?
6: She did, and then against Wisconsin two nights ago. uh, Hold everything. Yeah, it was two nights ago. She had nine kills and zero errors at one point. She was a force in December, as she was in 2017, our latest title year. So Jazz is going to go into her senior year with high expectations. She's also been, someone who's been overlooked for the most part. She got zero postseason accolades, pretty much the only regular for Nebraska with zero conference awards. And so I'm, I'm hoping Jazz Sweet is on an absolute mission to uh, prove herself and uh, shoulder a lot of the expectations for next year's team, a team that's already been, you know, according according to head coach John Cook, uh, you know, with, with expectations for the Final Four in Omaha. So there'll be a lot of um, optimism and a, a lot of anticipation for this team. And Jazz is as important a player as possible, but she always, typically, Greg uh, finishes uh, better than she starts. And JB, so let's see if she can put together a full campaign. But in December, she's at her best.
2: JB, I know it's always disappointing when a season comes to an end short of the finish line, but uh, that was a heck of a Badger team, wasn't it? I mean, that, Nebraska played them in nine sets and, and didn't get any of them. And sometimes you, you just tip your cap, right, to the team on the other side.
6: Absolutely. That's one of the greatest collections of talent I've ever seen at this level, ever. That is one of the absolute greatest collections of talent. How, where's the weakness on the team? There is no weakness on that team. They are just absolutely loaded. And what we learned, we learned so many things. Uh, we learned that the Big 12 was undeserving of two top four seeds. We learned that it's not the seed, it's the draw. And when Nebraska drew Wisconsin, it just it presented a, an ultimate challenge for Nebraska. that In 2019, it was not up to, but it, it couldn't have been to a more worthy foe. I mean, this Wisconsin team, because they lost four matches inexplicably back in September before they found themselves, because they lost somehow at Ohio State, because they were, they were horribly ill and three players were throwing up and everyone else had the virus and they lost in five sets at Penn State, they, didn't, they barely got a top four seed and they dropped down to number four. It is absolutely their championship to lose. Stanford, I don't think, has the same kind of will. This group of seniors at Stanford has been there before. It's, they're not as hungry, and uh, maybe they're a little complacent, and they're, they're not quite as fast. I mean, Wisconsin has all this firepower, but they're super fast, and they dig in system. They're just always attacking, always attacking. It is absolutely Wisconsin's championship to lose. The, the team that I think could give them the best competition on this coming weekend is is Minnesota, because Minnesota goes fast. They've got their senior transfer From UCLA, set her back. She's seemingly healthy. So they can go fast again. And they've got great back row players. Minnesota could give Wisconsin a battle. But no matter what, unless Stanford wins, we're going to have a brand new champion this year, Greg, which I think is exciting. That means we're going to go from 10 to 11 teams in 38 years of NCAA-sanctioned women's volleyball. 38, now 39 years of sanctioned volleyball by the NCAA. We're going to have 10, now 11, champions 11 schools that have won a championship. So I personally have not only heard about all this parity and all about all these teams that now can win the championship. I have seen it firsthand with Missouri and Wisconsin and Minnesota and so many more teams are capable of winning a championship. 10 years ago there were like six. Now there are literally 9 or 10 at least.
2: Very good. Again, moment number 10 for us was the Huskers' second-round victory over the Missouri Tigers. John Bader with us here tonight, and I'll just tip this off. It's not the last we'll hear from volleyball during our top 10 countdown. JB, we appreciate it. Great call throughout the year. I know it's tough to have a season Uh, end, but uh, you and Lauren did yeoman's work again this season on the broadcast.
4: Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure. It's an honor.
2: Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Mick, and all of you. Have a great night.